He was on the run again, and this time there was no exhilaration in it. Always before, if there was a thrill of fear, there had also been a thrill of pleasure. He was still cheating the world and still getting away with it. Always before, he had been alone, with no one to consider but himself, no one to hinder him, no one to care if he finally lost the game. This time he wasn't alone. As he sat on the beach under the blazing Florida sun, a tanned girl in a silver swimsuit who was running and jumping and laughing in the breakers turned every now and then and waved to him, keeping in contact with him, as if he could vicariously enjoy the delight of her youth and health and strength in the sun and sand and sea. She was right, too. He could and did. His greatest advantage, next to being alone, had always been that the police, smugly certain that no crime could exist that they didn't know about or had not already solved, got hot under the collar at the very suggestion of unsolved crimes. It was their Achilles' heel. And then, too, nobody would believe the truth, so nobody was likely to discover it. If the police were not looking for him, he was as safe as ever. This was just possible. They had certainly started looking for him, but it was conceivable that, after a preliminary probe, they had given up. However, that was no more than a remote possibility. If they were still looking for him, the fact that it was for the wrong reason didn't matter a damn. At any moment a heavy hand would fall on his shoulder, and his freedom and his life would be over. He felt it would have been easier to bear if he had made a mistake. It was unfair that he hadn't made one, but still found himself with his head on the block waiting for the rattle of the guillotine. Well, had he made a mistake? Lacking second sight, he could hardly have foreseen the consequences of going to the Blue Moon nightclub. Still, perhaps it had been a mistake to go twice. You could do almost anything once and get away with it. It was the second time you showed up that people got curious and started trying to find out who you were and all the rest there was to know. Yet if it hadn't been that— it would have been something else. You couldn't buck the National Register. A man could lose himself in a card index handled by human beings. A computer's memory bank was another matter. The population center at Washington didn't lose people. Any time you took a job, you had to have a name, and if you gave the wrong name, sooner or later a query came from Washington. Even if you were trying to hide, it was far safer to give your real identity than a false one. So long as the population center knew who you were and where you were, the idiot computer was satisfied. It was bothered only by details that didn't jibe. A bronzed young Adonis ran into the sea, straight for the girl in the silver swimsuit. Ignoring him, she blew a kiss up the beach, and the self-confidence of the Adonis faltered. He ran past her as if he had never noticed her, and swam strongly out to sea with much splashing to prove his manhood. The man on the beach waved back. He knew she was in love with him, and tried dispassionately to calculate how deep her feelings were, and how long they might last. He didn't know if she really believed that he was not in love with her, despite the number of times he had told her. He wondered if she was going to be hurt. Marita was certainly a lovely creature, one of the loveliest girls he had ever known, and he had known many. "'Tis pity she's a whore,' he murmured quoting the title of a centuries-old play. Because he liked her. Although he was not in love with her, he had a very deep affection for her. He went on to reflect that she had probably had very little choice. 
In this, or any other age, supremely beautiful women had a natural asset which society virtually forced them to throw on the market in one way or another. And Marita was no actress. Maybe she'd make the grade as a dancer. She did have a certain talent, and with her body she wouldn't need a lot. Physically she was quite perfect, the exception to the rule that a beautiful woman, no matter how beautiful, must have some fault. Her face was so lovely that she could have put all her eggs in one basket, wrapping up her body in the latest hide-alls, and making her face alone her fortune. But her figure, too, was so alluringly contoured that concealing it would have been like locking up a Rembrandt in a cellar. What was a girl like that to do, left alone in the world? Perhaps only what she had done ten years ago. At fourteen she had been too young to be an actress or showgirl, and well-endowed as she was even then, she lacked three things—education, money, and parents. She did what she could, and she did it very well.